once the course is done, what do they want to know is important, but let's go deeper. What do they, what do you want them to be able to do at the end of the course? And not only what do you want them to be able to do, how well do you want them to be able to do it? And under what circumstances? And once you have clarity on what you're solving for, you can back your way into what the actual learning journey is going to look like. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Danny. It's wonderful to have you joining me today. Sam, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure, such a pleasure. I have known you for quite a while now, for many, many years, so I know that this is going to be a great conversation with lots of depth to help people around creating and launching and having successful online courses and programs. But before we jump into today's topic, why don't you share a little bit about your background, how you got to be doing what you're doing? Sure. So I'll start at the beginning, but I'll, I'll go fast. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, I like to say I've been an entrepreneur for longer than my adult life. I quit school when I was 15 to start my first business. Uh-huh. And I bounced around, did a bunch of different startups. And around, I want to say 20, 2006, I was building a software company. We were building software that teaches kids how to read. And it was an interesting concept. And we got some good early traction, raised some money, friends, family, grants, that kind of stuff. But long story short, I was a very young, very inexperienced CEO in what, in hindsight, is a very complicated industry. Mm-hmm. And so we ran out of money. By the time I figured what's what, I was ready to raise more. That was September of 2008. So the markets crashed. It all fell apart. And, you know, it just it imploded. It was, it was a crater. Mm. And I didn't want to tell my investors, who were friends and family, that their money was gone. So I took the losses on personally. So I walked away from that with about a quarter of a million dollars in personal debt. And I mean, that was rough financially, but Mm. anyone who's listening to this, who's been through a big business setback, you know that it's rough emotionally, right? It feels like going through a really bad breakup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you go through a really bad breakup, you're not ready to start dating again right away. Mm -hmm. You need some time to lick your wounds. So I was thinking, well, I don't want to start another big company. I don't want to hire people. I don't want to raise money. But what I really did want to be able to do was pay rent. Um, I wanted to be able to pay rent consistently. That was important. Mm-hmm. So I need to do something. So I thought maybe I'll start a blog and I'll teach the things that I've learned along the way. That's, you know, low pressure, low commitment, don't need to hire people, don't need to build a staff, don't need to raise money. Mm. It was my rebound business. Yep. And, you know, it was the right message for the right market at the right time. And sometimes the rebound is the one. So here I am more than a decade later, I have a team of almost 40 people. We serve thousands upon thousands of students every year. We're close to an eight-figure company now. And the way that I got to online courses specifically is that in the very early days of building this business, you know, I'm like, I'm publishing, I'm writing, but nobody's reading. So I've got to find readers. Mm. So I tried a lot of things. Some of those things worked and I did more of them and people started to notice and they started coming to me saying, Danny, can you teach me how to do what you're doing? And so I didn't think anyone would really be interested, but I was like, you know what, the money would be good, so I'll give it a shot. Mm -hmm. So I rolled out this quick course teaching this technique I was using at the time, and it did well. And we sold like a thousand spots in that program in the first year. Wow. And my students got great results, and they came back. They asked, I mean, a lot of questions, but basically between the lines, they were asking, 
now that I know how to do this one little thing that you taught me, do I have everything I need to grow my online business? Mm-hmm. And so I would say, well, no, of course not. Why would you think that? I mean, <laughs> building a business is complicated. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> so I thought maybe I'll teach a course about this. And I didn't think anyone would want it, but same thing. I was like, I'll give it a shot, turned it into a program, rolled it out. It was hugely successful. This was my first million dollar product. Mm-hmm. And again, my students would apply, they'd go, they'd get results, they'd have these successful businesses. And pretty soon they'd start coming back to me and saying, you know, Danny, I've taken a lot of online courses. I've bought a lot of online courses and I never get results. I never do the work. But when I take your courses, I do, I get results. I do the work, I I get the outcomes. Can you teach me to create courses like yours? And that was in like 2013. Mm -hmm. And I've been teaching people how to build online courses since then. I never look back. I love stories that go through the trenches like that and come out the other side. And I can definitely say that it is like coming out of a breakup and it can actually, and I've spoken to quite a few friends of mine that have sort of bought and sold businesses or had businesses that haven't been successful. It not only is it emotionally depleting, but it really can take away your confidence. It can be really tricky to get started again. So yeah, anyone that's listening, it is possible to come out the other side and have a rebound business. I love that. It's a great story. What I want to talk about today is why people fail in or struggle in creating their online programs and courses, because I think that there is a lot of people that, well, A, there's a lot of people that don't start them, but there's so many people that think, I'm going to do this. This is going to be my ticket to freedom. This is going to be my ticket to never having to work again. And then a year later, they run out of runway and they have no money left. And, you know, they have to go back to a job or their traditional business. So before we even dive into that, can you tell me who the people are that you specifically work with? I think that's going to help us a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the people that we serve at Miracy are coaches, consultants, speakers, authors, people who make a living helping other people using their hard-won knowledge and expertise, mm-hmm. right? That's who we work with. That's who we serve. Mm-hmm. And you know, I really like the way you you amended the question at the beginning from failed to struggling because, <laughs> you know, I, li- I like to say that failure is only failure if it happens in the last chapter. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's a plot twist. Yeah. Right? And we all have plot twists along the way. And part of the challenge of being an entrepreneur is that there's no guidebook, mm-hmm. right? If you want to be a lawyer, you go to law school first. If you want to be a doctor, you go to medical school, medical school first. There's no equivalent for entrepreneurs. It's equally complicated, but we have to figure it out as we go. So mm-hmm. it totally makes sense that people struggle because they just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And, but but and on that, I'll just... about specifically what they need to do in the context of online courses. Definitely. I don't even know why I said fail because I'm also a big believer that the Fail, let's call them failures because that's what a lot of people call them. You actually yeah. need those to know, to be able to see what does work and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It is a real big mind shift to understand that you do need those things to happen so that you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a Thomas Edison truism. You know, I, I haven't failed a thousand times. I found a thousand ways that don't work. Mm. And it sounds really glib. But until you come out the other end and you realize that you wouldn't have found the one that worked without the thousand that didn't, you don't realize that there's actually a lot of profundity to it. It sounds like it's like a quip, but there's actually, there's a lot of insight there. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's tricky when you're sort of in the depths of that thinking, oh my goodness, can I do it one more time? Can I do it one more time? But when you do come out the other side, and even though it does continue, you know, there's certainly ebbs and flows, but it's really good to come out the other side of that first of Mm -hmm. challenges and go, yes, I did it. I did it. So you work with coaches, consultants, authors, speakers. These are people that are super smart. They're really good at what they do. I am super passionate about helping these people just like you because these are the people who need to have their message shared. They're the people that can Mm -hmm. really help other people. What is the reason that most of these people struggle in the first place? Well, I mean, there are several reasons, Mm -hmm. but probably the biggest reason, I'd actually have two. So the two biggest reasons why people struggle is that actually both of these come to think of it are the same thing. They make it all about them, uh-huh. right? And so they've got all this self-worth, all this ego wrapped up in this thing they're building. And so they build it as something that they think is amazing, mm. not what their student, not what their customer thinks is amazing, them. And they stay in their bat cave building it until it's perfect, this beautiful magnum opus that they emerge into the world. And so there is a a course design and architecture problem there. Mm -hmm. And there is a marketing and business strategy problem there. But it all really comes down to the fact that they make it all about them. And really, Mm. it's not about you at all. It's Mm. about the student. Uh, I love that. That was just so eloquent. I know of someone that actually went overseas for six months and had you know her sabbatical and at the time she took her film crew with her and actually for six months overseas filmed this entire oh course yeah you know how this is going to end don't yep. you <laughs> I was so excited about it. at the time I was like oh that's interesting clearly I'm not her target marker I really don't understand what this thing is anyway she came she came back to Australia we had a chat about six months later and she's like Sam I sold zero And this is definitely something that we see a lot. Mm -hmm. How can people sidestep this issue of making sure that their course design is on point? I'm going to separate the marketing out because I think that there's a whole different conversation there. But let's start with the course design. How can people make sure that their course design is something that's going to be attractive to the marketplace? Well, it's hard to separate that from the marketing, right? Because in terms of what's going to be attractive to the marketplace, first of all, we need to recognize that there is no such thing as an objectively good course. Mm -hmm. There's only a course that is good in the eyes of the target students that you want to serve, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to know who those target students are. And then you need to find out, well, what is it that they care about learning? Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be good at telling you this, right? They're going to be good at telling you the symptoms of what they're feeling. They're gonna be good at telling you what what they want as chosen from a menu of what they imagine the solutions to be. Mm -hmm. It's your job as the expert to parse that into, well, what will I teach, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally what you need to answer is once the course is done, what do they want to know is important, but let's go deeper. What do do you want them to be able to do Mm -hmm. at the end of the course? And not only what do you want them to be able to do, how well do you want them to be able to do it? Mm-hmm. And under what circumstances, right? You know, I used to teach martial arts in a previous life. So let's imagine that I wanted to create an online course teaching how to how to block a, a punch, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about how to block a punch from your training partner on the mat? Mm-hmm. Or are we talking about how to block a punch in an ultimate fighting cage match? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a very different 
level of skill and circumstance that you're training for, mm-hmm. right? So what is the outcome? What do you want them to be able to do? How well do they have to be able to do it? And under what circumstances? And once you have clarity on what you're solving for, then you can back your way into, this is called backward integrated design. You can back your way into what the actual learning journey is going to look like. And we can talk Mm -hmm. about what goes into that if you like. Mm -hmm. So you used an example there of, do you want to block the punch on the mat or block the punch, you know, in a cage match? How important is going to that depth before you even start? Like what I'm trying to ascertain here is, do you talk about both of those or how far do you niche down, I guess, is where I'm going with this? Well, you niche down in terms of getting really clear on what is the outcome and actually what is the minimum viable outcome mm-hmm. that your target student will be very happy with, right? So if you're serving a student who's just you know beginning their martial arts journey, then blocking a punch on the mat might be great. That may be exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. If it's a more advanced student, they may not be satisfied with that, mm-hmm. right? So you do need to have that clarity because if you don't know what is the outcome that will be a win for the person you're looking to serve, mm-hmm. then you essentially don't know the specs of what you're building, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. don't know what outcome you have to deliver. And without knowing that outcome, you can't design the course mm-hmm. because the course will look completely different depending on what outcome you're trying to get them to. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. So once you know the outcomes, I've pulled the marketing out separate and I'm going to go back and say why I've said that because I think that will probably wind up in the same place. But let's talk about the marketing at the beginning. How do we get that or how do you work with your students to get the feedback from the marketplace to know that what they're building out is, you know, not a time waste? Because you've got a certain Mm -hmm. way that you do this. I'd love you to take people through this so that they can understand why they don't want to build it before they launch it. Yeah, for sure. So super high level, step one, you have your kind of back of the napkin. I think this is the course I want. I think this is the audience. I think this is what we're going to teach. This is my 30,000 foot idea. Step two, let's validate with some data, right? Go talk to your ideal customer, ask them some questions, validate that what they're asking for and what they want is in line with what you're describing. And if it's not, change it. And if it is, what is the language they're using to describe it? And then you use that data, you use that validation. Let's presume you're on the right track. You refine it a little bit, you dial it in. You create a one pager. Here is what my pilot course is going to be, right? This is the minimum viable version. Mm-hmm. Then you go back to your ideal students, the people you talk to, people you haven't talked to. And you say, I'm rolling out this pilot course. And eventually it's going to cost this much, but right now it's only going to cost this much. And I'm looking for feedback and I've only got this many spots and it's starting on Tuesday. Would you like a spot? Mm-hmm. And you see if people want it enough to put money down to get into the program, because at the end of the day, you don't know for sure that people want it until they give you money for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Selling that first pilot, this is a really key distinction. The sale of that first pilot is not a business growth activity. It is a market research activity, mm-hmm. right? That You're is- validating that people want this. That is such an important part there. That is so, so well said. Thank you. So we validate they want it, they've paid you. After they pay you, of course, you're on the hook to deliver. And so you take that one pager that we've kind of fleshed out just enough to know what it's going to be. And now, you know, you're rushing to deliver and you're creating, you know, a really great experience for them. It's probably going to be a lot of work for the four or six weeks, whatever Mm -hmm. it is of your pilot course. And it's really important to gather that information, do that validation, because 
You mentioned your friend who sold zero mm-hmm. per course. That's the second worst outcome. Oh no. The worst outcome is you sell one. <laughs> and this has happened to me. Oh my goodness. And this is something I hear from so many people. It's, they actually almost hold themselves back because they're like, what if I only sell one? And what I see them doing is putting their foot almost on the brake mm-hmm. because they'd rather sell zero than one. <laughs> Well, because with one, you're on the hook to deliver. Uh Of course, going into it, you can say, well, if I sell under a certain threshold, I'll just refund them. So Uh that's a good mental tripwire to have repaired. Uh But, you know, you go into it, you validate they wanted it, you deliver it. And that's how you know with confidence, okay, this is something people actually want. Because if you try to sell it and they say, well, I'm not interested, you should be celebrating. Thank goodness that I found this out after two two months instead of two years. Yeah. Right. I have that clarity. Great. I can change my plans. I can go in a different direction and try again. Yeah, totally. And what I love about what you're talking about here is that you're getting your feedback from the people that matter. And when I talk about matter, I don't mean matter more than other people. What I'm talking about is the people that actually have a credit card that they're willing to hand over. Uncle John down at the barbecue down the road, he's not the person to get your feedback from in this situation. He might be really great at giving you relationship Mm -hmm. advice, but really not so great at giving you, is this a really good idea advice about an online course? The place that you definitely want to get it is the people that are going to pay you. I mean, the thing about business and marketing is that it is hugely democratic and meritocratic in that people vote with their wallets, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, the world doesn't owe you. You are not entitled to a successful online course, right? The Mm -hmm. world doesn't owe you customers. Mm. So you only get customers if you make something that people really want. And there's no amount of, like, you know, you can't go to a customer and say, would you you like to buy this? And they say, no. You say, but Uncle John said it was a great idea, (laughs) right? Like nobody's going to care. Yeah. So the only people whose opinion matters in this, I mean, you know, they matter as human beings, they have worth as human beings, but their opinion holds no value, no merit if they are not the kind, if they're not the person you're trying to sell this to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ideal clients only. So we've put together a beta program. Essentially, we've sold it. What I want to talk about is coming out the other side. We've done a, a successful beta program. And this is another problem I see, and I'd love to see if you see this as well, is that people do get their their MVP. Mm -hmm. They build out their course, they've done that, but then they struggle to take it to the next stage. They struggle to, and this is why I sort of pulled that marketing piece out. Because in my head, I was thinking they struggle to keep it as an ongoing course Mm. or program. I'd love you to talk about the marketing at this stage once we've got that beta program done. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two sides to marketing. There's attracting leads, getting new eyeballs on what you're offering. Then there's converting those leads Mm -hmm. and they're related. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But when it comes to lead generation, right, you know, you start with the people who know you and who trust you. Mm -hmm. Then you go one circle out and it's the people who the people who know you and trust you know. Mm -hmm. So you can get that borrowed credibility and they make those introductions. And that's absolutely where you want to start because when you're rolling out your very first course, your beta course, you're doing it with a bit of a handicap Mm -hmm. because the first question people are going to ask is, well, who else has been through this course Mm -hmm. and what have their results been? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how qualified or capable or skilled you are. The very first time you're selling the course, the answer is, well, nobody and nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. So you need that extra amount of trust going for you. 
-hmm. So you start in that closed circle, but eventually that's, that's a non-renewable resource. Eventually you have to go beyond that circle to strangers. Mm -hmm. And so you want to think about your ideal customer and you want to kind of do a, what does a day in the life, week in the life look like for them? Mm -hmm. What are the people that they intersect with? What are the audiences that they're a part of? What are the thought leaders that they listen to and watch and follow? What are the publications that they read? What are the events that they go to? What are all the opportunities? What are the social media platforms that they're on? What are the opportunities for you to intercept them? Right. And so it could be advertising on Facebook or on LinkedIn or, you know, doing content on Instagram or speaking on webinars through joint ventures, or, you know, there's a million things you can do to generate traffic. And it really comes down to where does your audience hang out mm-hmm. of those areas of opportunity, what aligns with your strengths, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you want to play to your strengths. If you're not a writer, then standing out with long form written content is probably not going to work for you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So where are they hanging out? What is an opportunity to intercept them? What aligns with your strengths and what is cost effective to do? Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. really important. A rule of thumb is that if you take your retail price of your course, you can divide it into three even parts. Mm-hmm. One third of that goes to fulfillment, right? So let's say you're selling a thousand dollar course. You can afford roughly $333 to fulfill on the experience. You're paying coaches, you're sending them stuff in the mail, whatever, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Another $333 goes to contribution profit, right? That pays your expenses and then profit stays in your, you know, in your bank account if there's enough. Mm -hmm. The last third is customer acquisition. Mm -hmm. So for a thousand dollar course, back of the napkin rule of thumb, you can afford to spend $333 acquiring the customer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And so the question becomes, well, which of these opportunities can you use in a way that's cost-effective? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to jump around. I'll come back to it in a second. So we've mm-hmm. got traffic. We've got the different venues. Where do we intersect with them in their lives? How can we intercept them based on where they hang out, what my skills are, and then what is cost-effective? Then we go to conversions. Mm-hmm. And conversion is about how do you bridge the gap from where they are when they don't know you at all to where they know you and trust you enough that they're ready to buy. Mm -hmm. And you do that by communicating what are the key things that they need to know, understand, and believe to say, okay, yes, I'm in. And generally there are things that they need to know, understand, and believe about the opportunity as a whole, Mm -hmm. about themselves, Mm -hmm. and about you and your offer. And so you can communicate those things. You can help them understand these things through email, through conversation, through webinars, et cetera. But partially that's about your skill and sophistication as a marketer to a large part, it's about how compelling is your offer really, mm-hmm. right? A marketer can't put lipstick on a pig, but right? <laughs> if, if the offer is not something people want, brilliant marketers won't make people want to buy it. Yeah. So, I mean, the hard truth for a lot of people, I see a lot of people are like, well, I did a beta program and I got three people to buy it and now I'm not having any more luck. And it's like, well, the people who bought it were kind of your friends and they did you a favor, but nobody really wanted your course. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. so you're having trouble selling it because you built a course that people don't want. That's why it's so important to go through all this process, because here's the secret that most marketers won't tell you. You know, a lot of people, when they think about marketing, they're like, what's the cheapest way that I could get traffic and get leads? Mm -hmm. But the smartest marketers are asking the opposite question. They're asking, what is the most I can spend? Mm-hmm. Because if your conversions are so good that you can make it work spending that money and the better your conversions, the more you can afford to spend, then nobody can compete with you, mm-hmm. right? It's a rule of thumb is that the in the long run, the person who can afford to spend the most money to acquire the customer wins. Right. That's the secret weapon of Amazon. Amazon, Jeff Bezos's number one skill, and he has many, 
is convincing tons of investors to give him enormous amounts of capital very cheaply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he's been playing with this unfair advantage for a very long time, right? When you have an offer that people are tripping over themselves to buy because you've made it that good, and then of course you dial in the marketing, then all of a sudden, all the menu of opportunities opens up to you in terms of how you can do your marketing. You can afford the expensive Facebook ad, you can afford the SEO firm, you can afford the door-to-door salesman, whatever, because it's converting so well. Mm, I love that so much. I'd love to know, I love your three rings there of the the people that you know, the people that refer from the people that you know, Mm -hmm. and the strangers. I think this is a really very simple way of helping people to understand it. I often hear people saying to me, I don't want to go to the people I know. I just want to run Facebook ads for their very first time for their beta. I would love to know your take on this and whether this is a smart move. Well, like anything in marketing, it depends, Mm -hmm. right? It depends how savvy and experienced are you? How many online courses have you rolled up before? How good are you with Facebook ads? Mm -hmm. How much money can you afford to burn? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For most people, the answer is, no, I haven't rolled out a ton of successful courses. I'm not a whiz at Facebook ads and I can't afford to burn $20,000 making it work. Mm -hmm. So presuming those are the answers, I'd say it's a terrible idea. And it goes Mm -hmm. back to where we started. Two things. One, selling to strangers is hard, right? And if you're going to sell to strangers, make sure you've got something that is great that they really want. Hard Mm -hmm. to get that right on the first try, Mm -hmm. right? So you want to run the beta program and, and you want to start closer to home. Second, Selling to strangers is hard because they don't know you or trust you. And the number one question they're going to ask is, well, who has done this course before? Mm-hmm. And what have their results been? Mm-hmm. And your answer is nobody and nothing. And so you want to start closer to home with people who know you and trust you, run them through the program that first time, get the proof of concept, get the case studies, so that when you run the Facebook ads, you can say, look at the results of the people who went through the program last time. Mm, I love that. You know, I love it when people know their topics so well that they make it sound simple. Actually, let me change that because I think that business can be simple. It's just not easy. Mm-hmm. And by listening to someone that really has a depth of knowledge like you do, you can hear that it is simple when you know what you're doing. But it's very easy to trip up and turn this into something that is not simple at all. Well, it's simplicity, you know, there's simplicity on the near side and on the far side of complexity, mm-hmm. right? So when you're just getting into something, I think Bruce Lee said it, when you're, when you're just beginning to learn, a punch is just a punch because you don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And as you begin to learn, there's so much complexity. How do I stand? Where does my weight go? How much do I lean? How do I hold my hand, right? It's super complex. And then when you're really good, a punch is just a punch again, mm-hmm. except now mm-hmm. you have that skill and competence. So it's like that with any area, Absolutely. Right? You go into it, you you just don't know what you don't know. And then as you begin to learn, it's really complicated because you don't know what is significant and what isn't, Mm, mm. right? And that's why it's really important to work with with mentors and guides who have come out the other end of that and they can say, this is what matters, this does not matter. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we made all of the mistakes along the way, so you don't have to. Oh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> the look on your face then for anyone that's <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> Danny's face just said a million words. <laughs> I think one, my face just said one word for every, every several dollars that I've lost along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm feeling it along the way with you. Now, you've written a new book, Danny. I'd love you to talk about I've read it. I think it's fantastic. Again, so simple 
cool. And as I was reading, I was like, this is genius. Can you tell us about the book, what's in it and how you came to write it the way that you did? Very clever. Yeah. Thank you. First of all, that's very gratifying to hear. You know, I've written a handful of books about online courses over the years. And, you know, they're, they're like nonfiction. Let me tell you what the lay of the land is and the market forces and the steps to take, you know, it's, it's all of that. And what I found is that, you know, people often struggle to make it work, not because they don't have, you know, a detailed explanation of the market forces, but because they start taking steps on the path and they're surprised by what it feels like. They're surprised by the experience. Mm. And so this book, I wrote it in the form of a business parable. So you follow the story of this woman who is looking to make money online, is looking to build something of, of meaning and substance and stumbles around and finds her way to online courses and tries to make it work, but, you know, struggles and has the same challenges that everybody does until she comes out the other end. But you get it through a story. And so you don't just get you know, the checklist of things to do, you get to see what it actually feels like to go through it. You get mm. to kind of ride on the passenger seat and see what the journey is like. And my hope is that it helps people try the journey on for size and both know what they're getting into and gear up to get past the challenging parts without as much challenge. Mm, definitely the way that it's written, you get all the feels. You, you actually feel that's what it feels like when I'm talking to my son, or that's what it feels like when I'm talking to my partner, or this is what I'm feeling when I can't sleep at night. And that's what I loved about the book so much. Thank you. It was a bit of a reach for me. I haven't written fiction since I was a teenager. It was a really interesting process to write. So it's really gratifying to hear that. Well, you congratulations. Like it. So where can people get a copy of this book if they are interested in really making sure that they have a successful or launching a successful online course? Sure. So um, my books are available on Amazon and elsewhere. I heard someone say once, and I love the line, the best way to buy books is in bulk. So you can <laughs> go to Amazon, buy as many as you want. <laughs> And uh, in honor of the launch, the book just came out. We're, as this uh, interview goes live, we're just about to do this like very exciting launch stuff. So the book is going to be free on Kindle for a bunch of days. So while I'd love for you to go and buy, you know, bulk copies of the paper copies, wait to get an email from Sam. You should get it any day. And there'll be a link to go get the book for free. It's only going to be free for a few days. Please don't email me after and be like, I just got it now. Can I still have it? Because our, our limit is Amazon's terms of service. No matter how much I beg, Jeff Bezos does not care. <laughs> no, that no. I want to make book free for another day. <laughs> not on first name um, basis with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I'm afraid not. I'm not afraid yet. Not. <laughs> Absolutely. So I will not only send out an email, as Danny just said, but those that link will definitely be in the show notes. I highly recommend you grab a copy. Even if you have successful online courses, it's a great read. It really does, I guess, close the gap in a few places it's just so simple to read so definitely go and get a copy of that even though we've called it the book the book is called online courses nice and easy so it's not that hard to remember online courses danny it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today hopefully everyone has got some value bombs you know and really close the gap for them to understand how to build and continually build successful online courses i think this is you know we know it's the way of the future but i think if there's something that COVID has taught us that is nothing is as set in stone as what we may have thought it was so definitely a great 
way to add an income stream to what you're doing you know whether it's a traditional business whether it's your job or whether you decide to do this as a full-time gig absolutely i mean if anything COVID has taught us that it's the way of the present so yeah well that's a point <laughs> absolutely danny thanks so much for joining me today it's been such a pleasure to chat with you absolutely my pleasure thank you for having me Today's episode may be over, but let's continue the conversation. Head on over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.